Good morning. Sunday morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live program that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world, trying to make sense of everything and give you a perspective that isn't uh, basically from armchair generals in Washington, D.C. You know, the consultants, uh, which... Wow, like we actually have a lot of things that we can kind of go into. Uh, anybody who's regularly listening to this program knows uh, that we will consistently complain about the uh, consultant class, especially when it comes to like right wing politics and how we see dumb takes coming from people in the DC elite sphere. And uh, this week is uh, certainly no exception, but it gives us really, really, really great data. Uh, that we can show everybody about uh, certain aspects as to why uh, the old Republican Party was terrible. Um, but we'll get to that a little bit later in the program when we talk about the Disney controversy. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff going on this week, and um, I will admit to everybody that. Um, I don't have the time to regularly listen to a lot of other podcasts and, and streams and things like that. I try to because I kind of want to know what other people are talking about. Um, but, you know, it, we when I'm spending time trying to you know do political stuff and read up on everything and get the news for you folks back at home, uh, I, I can't sit there and listen to other people. Uh, but I did try this week just because there's a lot going on that I feel is foundationally changing stuff. Mm-hmm. And I will say that it is a very positive environment uh, for people who believe in liberty, people who believe in individual freedom. Um, there's a lot of wins. And I understand, uh, I, I guess the the little sort of beginning monologue I'll get into here is... Uh, when you when you have to talk about like what's going on in the world and when you have to talk about uh, what's going on politically and, and you know, uh, kind of lay out that landscape for everybody, uh, it's difficult to be optimistic and it's difficult to see the greater wins that are occurring um, against the concerns of the like, you know, I don't know a better way to say it, but the pending doom uh, that can come mm-hmm. uh, from stuff that's happening. But. Uh, you know, to be fair to everything, there have been a lot of really great, both tactical and strategic victories, um, politically, and we have highlighted a lot of them, but I think that there has been honestly a huge national change, um, that I think is going to be very definitive, um, not just now, but going into the next election and going into, um, you know, kind of the future to come. So, but real quick, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to play a couple of clips um, of what uh, I'm going to say victory sounds like. Um, and I think I think you guys will understand what I mean by that. But 
Um, here's a couple of clips of what victory sounds like. Here we go. This is the captain speaking. Um, as of right now, all flights in JetBlue, we have required, we have required a mask. So Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was muted. Um, no, oh, so, okay. after, after two years, you can hear some of the emotion in some of these flight attendants. You can hear like, just, I mean, the, the last clip I just played, you know, the, the woman's obviously very emotional and she's saying like, after two years, you know, we can take our masks off and, and you oh. have, you have some thoughts on this now, to be fair, like, you know, this is obviously it's great. And there's a ton of videos. We don't need to spend a, a bunch of time on it. You guys can go and, and t see them all on, on social media. We shared a lot of them of just plane after plane after plane after plane of of people cheering and, and going absolutely insane um, over the lifting of the mask mandate on flights. You know, yeah. And, and so uh, but you, you have some thoughts, Alan. Well, there's. A couple things here. One, most people seem like they welcomed this and they were thrilled. We don't have to wear these stupid masks anymore. I know that I would be, it would be awful to have had to be in the service industry where you had to wear a mask constantly for the last two years. That would, that would have sucked. Uh, so that's on, on one thing. I think that's, that's something that is good to see. And I think it's also a bit heart heartwarming almost in a way to see that this the masks weren't popular. I, I think the perception that we've been given by the media and the news and all is that, oh, everybody loves the masks. The masks are great. The it's only totally dumb Trump supporters that don't like the mask. And I think that that's something that we fell for reasonably enough, but I think it's not as realistic as they wanted to make it seem. I think the masks were wildly unpopular and people didn't like it. Conversely, though, if you didn't like the masks this much, why did you force people on your flights to keep wearing them? If the I mean, think of how draconian these flight attendants all were about the mask policy when they could have just 
let it go and not cared. But they chose to keep caring. They chose to make a big deal out of this. They chose to they chose to hassle people who had fallen asleep when the mask with the when the mask slid off, like their baklava slid down. They chose to hassle those people. Like, sir, you need to put your mask on. How draconian were these people for the last two years? And now the mandate goes away, and they suddenly get to go. Oh, thank God, we never liked this in the first place. Yeah, it, not. It it, it does it does it does show something like, and I I think what you're what you're kind of pointing out here is you know there there does need to be something there does need to be something said uh to the idea um okay so uh Colleen actually just commented and these are the kind of comments that 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 I was kind of looking for which is uh my neighbor is a flight attendant and apparently they were firing people who didn't enforce it secret shopper style see i'm sure they were doing that and that is, it just is, it's egregious and irritating. Yeah. Like, well, I, I guess like, like, let's frame it this way. If that's the case, then it's at least somewhat understandable. If that's not the case, then it feels like bullshit. But also like you, one, one thing that you said um, that I think is extremely notable here was you said, I can't imagine what it must have been like to be in the service industry and have to wear a mask for two years. This is the part that has stuck with me and bothered me this entire time because I, I live in Virginia. The mask mandates kind of went away quite a while ago. For a while, sure. it was required when you went shopping and you had to do all this. And then they were just like, everybody just went, oh, okay. Um, and then we just stopped. Like I haven't worn a, like, I didn't have to wear a mask for over a year to go shopping or do any of this, but every service employee did. And, you know, if you went, if you went to a cafe, <clears throat> the barista had to wear one. If you went to eat your, you know, wait staff had to wear one. Uh, if you went to a store, the cashier was wearing one. Um, and in a lot of ways they still are. Uh, and now to, so people understand why this is actually because there was an OSHA policy. Um, that's part of it. There was federal enforcement through OSHA uh, that required businesses to uh, mask their employees. The, the reason why it bothers me so much is that means every single Democrat. Now, I'm talking about Democrat voters. I'm not talking about Democrat politicians. Every Democrat voting American who claims to stand up for the poor worker, who claims to stand up especially for middle or for minimum wage workers, who claims to stand up against big, evil, mean corporations, that that is the constant clarion call of every Democrat voting American absolutely was walking into a Starbucks, a Walmart, you know, a, a, you know, a Fridays or whatever, every you know restaurant they went into and was perfectly fine with watching the servants wear a mask while they didn't. And this didn't bother them at all. It didn't bother them that basically only poor people had to wear masks. Yeah. If, if you are, if you are in the upper middle class, and especially if you're, uh, if you're in, in the top, uh, income brackets, 
you're probably working from home. You're probably able to work in your sweatpants from your couch with, you know, some streaming service on sitting on a laptop with no concerns whatsoever. And you have gladly walked out and watched every minimum wage and every service industry worker have to throw a mask on their face. And you probably, the the reason why I bring this up is there is absolutely no way that every single Democrat voting American wore a mask out in public. Because if that's the case, then I mean, that's proof positive that the election was absolutely stolen because basically nobody is wearing masks where I live and have not for a year. Right. And so that means that there's plenty of people who vote Democrat that are happily walking around without a mask on and didn't have any issue with the fact that workers were 100% being forced to wear it. And we heard the celebrations, right? These are plane loads of people. There's plenty of Democrat voting Americans on those planes, too, cheering that they finally don't have to wear masks either. So I have to ask the question, uh, how are you blind to this? It, 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 it shows to me how all of this is theater and how all of this is how all of the supposed opinion, the unique opinions that all of these people arrived at is just media propaganda personified. Sure. And. I'm going to be honest, people, the the people who worked at Walmart, the people who, you know, work at your uh, local uh, restaurant, <coughs> they know who kept that mask on their face for two years. And still, by the way, because this, um, this judge's order, there was a judge that uh, basically stopped the mask mandate on federal transport. That That's what actually happened here. This still has not changed the Starbucks employee or the restaurant wait, you know, wait staff, they still have to wear masks um, either under an OSHA rule or under the governance of whatever company they work for. So just think about that for a second. There are all of these service employees that are also seeing these videos of, you know, people on flights celebrating and everybody on social media talking about how glad they are that it's done. And then they have to strap a mask on their face and go to work. They're the ones left out in the cold. And guess what, everyone? There is one group of people, one political party that is causing that to happen. So anytime that they get upset over having to wear that mask, it falls solely in the lap of the Democrat party. Yeah. Because let's be honest, nobody nobody gives a damn about COVID. The whole, well, I mean, we're just keeping safe from COVID. That that falls flat. It's it's been it's been a very long time since regular people have have honestly given it given a damn about COVID. I I I agree. <clears throat> I think that most people don't care about COVID. I think that they. I think most people that uh, okay. I think that's that's what this airline thing really shows to me is that. The vast majority of people that we thought cared about COVID didn't actually care. They just were being coerced into it. Yeah. And now that Big Brother says it's okay to not wear the mask and not care, that a lot of people, I think, are going back to not caring. The worry I have is the next time they say, well, guess we have to have a mask mandate. All these airline, stu- airline folks that are thrilled to not wear it will just comply again. So, well, I, you know, for the greater good, I guess. Yeah, and you... they, I think that's very that's very frustrating to me because like, well, 
it doesn't matter how unpopular anything gets, or it doesn't matter what the reality is. What matters is, is anyone willing to push back against it, or are they just going to cower in fear again? And that's that's a tough, tough scenario. Do do you think um, do you think given that there's been no victory over COVID, right? It's just, and right. there's not going to be, right? It's just one of those, we're just going to, at some point, um, likely when we completely get rid of the Democrat party, because they're the ones that are constantly using this to try to seek power. But at some point, COVID's just going to just stop. They're just going to stop talking about it. It's it's not going to, uh, they're going to stop talking about it and they're probably going to, well, they still keep trying to resurrect it. But even this new variant you know, they they tried the whole narrative of oh, scary new variant, guys. It's called like BA two, but like oh. I can't even fully remember because like nobody gives a damn. It, it's not sticking anymore. But the point is, is like they may still try to res- resurrect it, but it's gonna it's gonna die. It's gonna stop being a talking point and a sticking point. Do you think that since so many? Since Americans, all all Americans watched there be no victory over COVID, they watched how wishy-washy all of the regulations have been, uh, how the Biden administration has kind of been like, oh, it's bad, and, but uh, geez, shucks, and like has just been dismal um, in any messaging on it. Do you honestly think that soon, because let's not timescale this too much, um, but do you think if like within a year or two that the government would really try to do something this large scale and it not result in a bunch of people going, nope, we've seen this before and it was all dumb and it solved nothing because you've done these large scale, you've done something like this before. We saw COVID and we saw that it was obviously all just politics, power grabby nonsense uh, and it did nothing but cause our lives to suck. Do you think that that would be the reaction or do you think people would just somehow snap back into going along with it? I think that that's a very hard, it's a very hard calculus to, to make or to, it's a very hard thing to to understand because I, I want to say that they would refute it and not go along with it. But if you threaten people's jobs, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will just comply. I think a lot of people told themselves we're doing this for the greater good. I can feel moral about it. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry. And they just went with it. And it is, I think, by no means guaranteed that they wouldn't do the same thing again. Okay, so so what, what you're basically identifying here is that we can't, I, I mean, these videos are great. It's it's awesome to see people cheering. It's awesome to see people very happy to take the masks off, but the work isn't done yet. What what you're basically saying here is the only way that we can ensure that this doesn't happen again, we can't just hope that society would fight back uh, because they remember how awful this was. They remember how it was nothing more than a power grab. What you're saying is that the Republican Party, because that's who's going to have to do this, needs to actually craft legislation to ensure this doesn't happen again because we can't trust that society can't be tricked into it. it that's basically what I, what it sounds like I'm hearing here. Yeah, that's probably that's pretty much what I am saying. Yeah. Is we're not protected from mm-hmm. people trying to do this to us and that is why this is happening. That's why it keeps happening. 
Right, because you're saying all they need to do is threaten your job, and you're going to have to comply. They know that that's the that they know that's the way to do right. it. Okay. Right. Okay. So, I mean, and that's a really good point. Like, it's okay to celebrate. It's okay to be happy. We're not trying to bring anybody down here, but understand that this is now we are now in a position where even though there's a victory, right? There's a victory where we can fly maskless. We need to put pressure on our elected representatives to ensure that the government cannot overstep its power and violate our civil rights like this ever again, because we can't just trust that they're going to be like, well, that was a bad idea. Let's not do that. Because, yeah, I think the more frustrating component is we can't really trust that our own fellow citizens aren't going to sabotage things. It's Spain. So, mm-hmm. What's the reason why any of this ever happened? Because That's people went along with it. Sucked into putting the Democrat Party in a position of power where they could do all of this, and a bunch of weak Republicans went along with it. Okay. And yeah. I worry that if things get even remotely better, people are going to once again vote for the same feel-good policies, put the same people in charge, and nothing's really going to change. Okay. Because that's a that makes this very difficult to deal with because it's almost you can't really trust it's almost a failure of democracy in a way like democracy was hacked by the progressive agenda because it made people feel so good and virtuous that they just voted that they voted for these things of their own volition when they shouldn't have and that's hard how do you because people made those conscious decisions to put all these people in power and have their entire lives then there's the media to consider that wildly distorts things makes it impossible for normal people to know what's true and what's not even even when they feel like things aren't true they're it's hard for it's hard for them to say well the media has to lie and so i think it is by no means guaranteed that any of this is it couldn't happen again Right. I think one one of the things from COVID, I think that we should all have woken up to, is the idea that, well, you know, if the masses just get the right information, the information's out there, then they'll, you know, if we hack the broadcast and the plucky resistance, you know, shows everybody what's really happening, it'll blow their minds and they'll all, you know, turn against the powers that be. And that has not happened. That didn't happen. And I think that's a very frustrating element. I'm I'm gonna disagree with you a bit, but I have a reason why. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And and, and I, I get I get the concept, right? Because things happen, right? We all we all had to do this, we all got forced into this. Um but where I'm gonna where I'm gonna disagree is that um you saying it didn't happen where people weren't able to get the message out, but it, but it did happen. Now, obviously this didn't result um, in the kind of like change that we wanted because a bunch of unelected bureaucrats have a shitload of power in this country. Like even if on mass, let's just be honest, even if on mass, the American people didn't agree with any of the mask mandates, let's say if we were able to actually take a real poll and all of these people said, you know, masking's dumb, uh, uh, you know, t- 
99% of Americans say that masking, that they don't want to wear a mask, that they don't want to uh, have their job based on their vaccination status. Let's say that it came out like that. It didn't, it doesn't matter because the CDC can say too bad. You have to, and nobody elected the CDC, Um, but they can do that because they have that power. That is a power that they have um, in the government. Uh, But so I understand what you mean, right? Because it all did happen. But I do think that there was that there more so than we've seen in the past, there were so many people that were getting all of this alternate source, all these alternate sources of information because there was so much questioning of everything that was going on. Um, You know, we as regular people know what like ivermectin is. That would have never happened, I believe, five to ten years ago. You would have never heard about that. That would have been a fringe conspiracy theory that you would have had to like dial in a ham radio to hear. Sure. But there's a lot of alternate information. Like it doesn't discount what you're, what you're saying because in our daily lives, it certainly feels like it didn't matter. I almost feel like that's exacerbated because we knew the truth the entire time. I think it might be, it might be. Yeah. But it still is. If people are that blind, mm-hmm. what is to be done? And I think that's a, again, it's a very, I don't know, I certainly don't have the answer to that, but that is, that is the element that I keep coming well, back to is if people can be, if people can be that easily swayed <clears throat> with, in things that are so patently ridiculous, like wearing a piece of cloth over your face is going to do absolutely nothing to stop the transmission of a virus. But people got so militant to support it because the alternative was acknowledging that they've been lied to. Right. I don't know. It's, it's, it certainly doesn't seem to bode well for the future to think that if people are – if people – don't want to use the word stupid. That's not really right. But if people can't see that, Coerced. if they're so ideologically blinded that they are going to follow what – you know, the CDC says, because the alternative is acknowledging what your own eyes see. That's just. I don't know if I can rely on people to do anything but sabotage all of my attempts at trying to save civilization. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't I'm not laughing at what you said. It's just you're like, look, I'm trying to help you. Um, no, seriously. Yeah, that, no, that, I get it. I, I get it. That's what we were trying to do. Yeah. That's what we were trying to do the whole time. It was like, I'm I'm trying to make it so that you're not preyed upon by evil people with bad intent. And I and somehow that makes me the bad guy. Right. Well, and, and you said you said you don't have an answer, but you do. You gave an answer. And the answer to everybody and the thing that, that the audience here needs to do is you need to still apply pressure. Because this has been our biggest fear, and we've talked about this a lot. Our biggest fear is that when COVID goes away, everyone's just so excited to get back to regular life that they will abandon um, any fight to ensure that this doesn't happen again. And that is exactly what you're saying. Your answer and your solution to this problem is we need to apply pressure to our elected representatives. And and this, go- this goes into the whole thing that we'll talk more and more about later in the program is there is ample evidence that the Republican Party is going to take the House and take the Senate in 2022. The midterm elections are going to be a bloodbath. And we will explain how 
not only is it provable by some of the stuff that we're just seeing in our daily lives, but it's provable by the reactions of the Democrat Party that they are terrified that they are going to lose their asses in the midterms. But what that means is we need to stomp our feet and 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 be petulant of the minute that they take power, we go, okay, what are you going to do to make sure that I don't have my civil liberties violated for two years by the federal government and a bunch of unelected bureaucrats like Anthony Fauci? What are you doing about that? Because I will literally make sure that you only serve two years in Congress if you don't. Right. And that's, but that's the solution. If you don't want this to ever happen again, then you 100% have to tell the government that there, there needs to be legislation that takes that power out of the government's hands. Sure. Which, which is weird because it's like, I need the government solution to ensure the government can't have us, you know what I mean? But like, you need to limit government. Do the thing that Republicans promise every time and fail to deliver every time. Yeah. But to be, I mean, it's, it is a very difficult situation because a lot of, like, it's not up to us. Exactly. Like a lot of Democrats vote. The Democrat yes. party has a lot of money and it's not that they would win every time. But the simple relying on the sort of established kind of way to go about things is a, is a has not proven to be something that is necessarily a win right now. I think a lot of stuff has to happen at the state level, state level more so than the federal. The federal level is so heavily compromised, I think it's be done. But if the state government locally is not playing ball no matter what the federal government says, that would be a, I guess, achieve some sort of more kind of. Okay, we're getting um, you're you're kind of cutting out, and I'll uh, just in case the audience couldn't make out um, what you were saying is basically a lot of this needs to be handled at the state level, uh, because states can very easily push back and we've seen this happen you know states were able to push back against a lot of legislation coming from the federal government for example you saw you know florida being the big one that was discussed a lot uh with ron DeSantis pushing back against a lot of what was um, a lot of the mandates and a lot of the you know work requirements and things we saw similar things with um greg abbott in texas and we saw uh i mean there to be to be fair you know we celebrate some of these larger states where there's larger populations but there are also absolutely um republican states that just never went along with the nonsense um in a lot of ways or went along with it at the beginning when you know as much as we we hate looking at it at the time you can kind of be like well nobody really knew but as soon as any alternate information came out they dropped it so um to your point, you know, this is as much state level as it is federal level. Um, and that is important. That is actually one of the great things about some of the stories we're going to talk about in the program uh, with stuff going on with like Ron DeSantis is the idea of people need to understand how important those state governments truly are and how powerful those state governments can be. The answers are not always the federal government. You know, the answers are 
uh, everything from your board of supervisors or trustees or whatever weird name they give your county legislatures, your school boards, mm-hmm. all the way up to your state level legislatures, your go- you know your governor's office. Um, and to be fair, once again, uh, I mean, uh, maybe I'm going to get a little annoying pointing this out. That's what the Republican Party has been claiming the entire time and just has not seemed to follow through with. Right. And I think the, the way I certainly think about it is all of these... Uh, your like especially local at the local level it's probably not a 50 50 split i think that that's the federal government is basically deadlocked but that's because it is so close in your state houses and especially and in whatever local government you have it might be a lot more like your friends or people that are allies of you or have your same interests might be a much more more highly represented group and that would allow you to actually make a lot more headway there than we could make at the federal level. Yeah, it, well, and it does trickle up. Right, and you might have a friendly governor. It's like, no matter what the Republican Party does, Joe Biden can veto any legislation. So their their hands are kind of tied to making any of these things happen at the federal level. All they can do is sort of stonewall things. At your local and state level, though, your governor might be friendly, your mayor might be friendly, and they might be able to actually institute things that could make a difference. The problem is they just need enough of a backbone to take the risk to basically have a showdown with the federal government. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not easier said than done, but that I feel is the, the best path forward right now is to make it so that it's essentially defense in depth, which is instead of just saying, well, there's this one trench line and we're going to fortify all of that, which is the federal government, and they're not going to get past that. That is, I think, a in error. However, if you had sort of a defense in depth strategy, whereas it's not just the federal government, it's they're going to have to do if they want to do something we don't like, they're going to have to they're going to get stonewalled by my state government. They're going to get stonewalled by my local government, and they're going to have to expend resources across the entire spectrum to get what they want. Because everybody that we've chosen to put in power at every level around me it understands the threat, views them as a threat that needs to be fought against. Not something that, that not doesn't view them as, well, we can just go along to get along and it'll all be fine. Those people need to be excised first and foremost. And the only people we should be electing at any state or local or even federal are people that explicitly view the progressive agenda and the Democrat Party and all of their activists and supporters, whether it's corporate America, Black Lives Matter, et cetera, views all of them as a threat to the life and liberty of their constituents. No, and I, I like it because, you know, it's like make sure that you have the Second Amendment friendly sheriff, but then also exactly. make sure yeah. you have the Second Amendment friendly governor. And then try to have a Second Amendment friendly uh, federal government because the idea is like Joe Biden decides he's going to, I don't know, ban AR-15s because it sounds good and he needs some sort of legislative win. And maybe your governor goes, yeah, we're not recognizing that. Screw, you know, screw you or your governor caves, but your sheriff goes, I'm not going to. And we've seen this happen, right? Like, I'm not enforcing this. These are this is the exact strategy and it's worked it has absolutely worked exceedingly well. Um, you know, the idea, though, is that you want to have it everywhere, but you have to certainly have it at your local level. Certainly. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it it's funny because it sounds obvious when you say it. 
But then when you get into the reality of it, um, you know, people, people need to acknowledge the work that is necessary. You have to pay at least some attention to your local races. Um, we're actually right. experiencing this, interestingly enough, uh, locally, uh, where where I live, um, because uh, there was a election for school board uh, here where I live, and the problem that we ran into was we just everybody was kind of like not paying attention to what was going on in the school board. And there was a progressive that was running in our district. And I remember like, I saw people trying to push back. I tried to push back, you know, talk to your neighbors and everything about like, Hey, uh, this person who's running for our school board is like a massive progressive who works for the teachers unions, who was like a union representative. This person especially because we were going through all the COVID stuff. I was like, if you vote for this candidate, you are, your kids are going to wear a mask forever. Your kids are going to be stuck in the hellscape that has been schooling for the last two years. You cannot vote for this person. Almost nobody voted in the school board election because it was held in an off time. You know, it wasn't part of a larger uh, election scheme. What occurred was a few months later is when all the school board stuff or not school board stuff, but a, a few months later is when all the decisions started happening here in Virginia about mass mandates because of Governor Yunkin. Governor Yunkin said, uh, we're not we're not doing this. We're not requiring kids to wear masks. And so everybody was like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. And then everybody sat there with shock. I don't understand. How come our school district is still enforcing masks. The governor said no more. And yeah. I felt like an asshole, but I'm sitting there going, because only 2000 of you assholes showed up to vote. And everybody voted for the dumb progressive. Who's literally railroading your district. You did this. Right. See, that's exactly what I was. I mean, it's, it is very difficult to be a, to be excited about trying to push back on these things when you just get sabotaged by people that that couldn't be bothered to actually do more than just complain after the bad thing happened. <laughs> but but to, to, the optimistic note I will say is Governor Yunkin did win. And because of that win specifically, that school board ended up getting defanged. Because they couldn't fight le- – they- their legal argument – so people kind of understand the inside baseball. Their legal argument was the governor can't do this executive order because uh, there was a law um, that was passed in the Senate. So they held a special legislative session, repealed the law, and it took it cut the knees out from underneath all of the school boards in the state. That's pretty exciting. They were like, oh, that that's your legal argument? Okay, awesome. Uh, we repealed the law. Yeah, because awesome. a bu- because a bunch of Republicans in Virginia like had seats, right? Because that power was there, so it was good. And to be fair, this is a little of the accelerationist, the unfortunate aspect of why accelerationism can be a good thing. Was people saw what happened where they were like, 
I don't understand the governor one. He said no masks, but these assholes, these five assholes on this board are still forcing my kid to wear a mask. And we went, yes, you have to vote for them too. That did, it's unfortunate, right? They all had to complain and be like, I don't understand why the bad thing's happening. And we're all pulling our hair out and going, where were you when we voted? Yeah. And now we go, okay, so you understand why you have to care about the school board, right? And everybody went, no, I, I, I get it now. I like, I, I get it. I'm going to pay attention. And by the way, nationally, what are we seeing? Because this uh, dovetails really great into our next subject. What is it we're seeing now that people woke up to exactly what Alan is saying needs to happen? Well, look at what's happening at school boards. Look at what's happening at schools. Everybody nationally started seeing what schools were teaching. They started paying attention to school board meetings that nobody watched. And they're finding out like, oh my God, what are these people talking about? There's porn in my school library. Why is this blue haired guy in a dress on TikTok talking about normalizing or destigmatizing pedophilia? Oh my God, this person's a teacher. Yeah, that's pretty weird, right? And that's because people started paying attention. And honestly, I I think we can, we can draw a pretty clear line to parents getting pissed off that their kids still had to wear masks, no matter what the government said to starting to pay attention to what's going on in their local school, being horrified because I, I mean, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad necessarily, but because you weren't paying attention before, Right. And this has been allowed to go on that these people were so comfortable that they had no problem releasing public videos of them talking about indoctrinating your children, hiding, hiding the indoctrination from you, and also publicly saying, I think it's ridiculous that we're upset over people who love minors sexually. And then they get fired. And what's the left's reaction to that? Let's dox the Twitter account. Let's dox the owner of a Twitter account who plays videos of what liberals are saying. Yeah. For those who don't understand what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, uh, the, uh, Washington post article that outed the identity of the owner of libs of TikTok, which is a Twitter account that just shares videos of liberals saying what they think. And this was considered a threat. Understand, this was so threatening to the Democrat part. Well, it tells us two things. I know that this isn't something I have to debate with our audience. But in case anybody's new, because there are people that are just waking up. I no longer need to prove to you that the Washington Post works for the Democrat Party. Right. Because this was a threat to the Democrat Party. Somebody said, we have to get the Twitter account of the person who is showing liberals talking about what they think on public videos. We have to get that account that is showing that to the normies to go away because it's dangerous for us. Yeah. And the Washington Post owned by Jeff Bezos, Amazon, you know, the the Amazon founder 
decided got got one of their uh, writers, Taylor Lorenz, who by the way just two months ago had a sob fest on national television about how awful it was getting doxed. They got her to, well, it's a little bit deeper, but um, she did research to find out who owned the Twitter account of Libs of TikTok so they could expose this person in hope that they would get threatened or that they would get fired or what have you and stop posting videos of liberals saying things that concerned regular everyday Americans and caused them to suddenly start wanting to pay attention to what's going on in places like their schools, their local legislatures and the federal government. Understand right. that the Washington Post did not do this alone. The nefarious and scary part about it's one thing and I'm I'm not faulting any commentators for doing this. It's one thing for all of these commentators to talk about the doxing of libs of TikTok, whether they agree with it, whether it's really doxing. It was. It was really doxing. There's no question. What's scary about it was how they went, how how the Washington Post went about getting the information. And, mm. and let me explain. <clears throat> the Washington Post worked with a company that is financed by the German government. Well, that's concerning. So... Um, luckily, we have phenomenal reporting coming from Revolver News. Uh, this is the headline. This was posted on uh, April 20th. Libs of TikTok doxing uncovers secret hacker government mercenary alliance behind regime's war on MAGA Americans. Now, we've talked a little bit about this before. So some of this may sound a little familiar. Uh, but here, here's the article. American dissidents of all stripes are ablaze with anger after the Washington Post's most repugnant reporter, Taylor Lorenz, published yet another piece trying to ruin someone more popular than her. Taylor Lorenz, a Washington Post columnist, wrote a Tuesday article titled Meet the Woman Behind Libs of TikToks, Secretly Fueling the Rights Outrage Machine, revealing the identity of the user who had intended to remain anonymous. The piece linked the... Linked, uh, linked the user's real estate page, listing her full name and home address, which the later, which the outlet later removed. The account, which has nearly seven hundred thousand followers, posts TikTok videos of liberals in order to spark a reaction among conservative audiences. Lorenz reportedly contacted libs of TikTok early Tuesday, telling the account. Uh, they are, quote, being implicated as a hate campaign against LGBTQ people, uh, the account said. For those not Amazing, paying it, because all the account did was find videos of the, that these people made and just repost them. Right. Essentially, it was the, the intent was don't believe me when I tell you what they're doing. Believe them when they tell you what they're doing. Yes, 100 percent. For those not paying attention, the blazing hot libs of TikTok account simply finds TikTok videos wherein crazed liberals and LGBTQers, many of them uh, teachers of innocent children, unabashedly reveal their deviant grooming agenda for public consumption. Uh, here's an example video that I'll play right now. I'm giving this dude one last chance to get the fucking point. This, we don't like this. My community specifically does not like this. 
You want to know why, personally, I don't like this? Because when it's the parents' problem, that's how you get homophobic kids. That's how you get kids like me with internalized homophobia until they're, like, 18 or 19 because they finally started going to fucking therapy. If my parents had their way, I wouldn't know shit about the gay community or my own legitimate sexual identity. I came out to them when I was 16. You want to know what they told me? They told me I was going to unalive myself because of this. I was an already depressed teenager. So when you say it's the parents' problem, understand that the parents are not going to make the best decision. They're not going to educate their kids. If it weren't for public school, I wouldn't know shit about the gay community. Unless it's a private school, parents need to stay the fuck out of classrooms. I'm giving this dude one... Unless it's a public school or... or... <laughs> If it weren't for public schools, kids wouldn't know shit about the gay community. Parents need to stay the fuck out of classrooms. Huh. So what she's responding to, I know you guys can't see it, but she's responding to a uh, uh, a post where somebody says, Teachers have no business teaching kids about sexual orientation and gender identity at this age. That's the parents' problem. That's what she's angry about. All I mean, th this is the kind of stuff that they post on, on libs of TikTok. This is a teacher that is saying, no, this is wrong. I wouldn't have known anything about the gay community if I wasn't taught about it in public school. Uh, you know, I had to go, which is weird because, of course, it's I had to go to therapy. <laughs> you're not making a good case, by the way. If you're saying, uh, like, I had to go through years of therapy. You're not making a good case of like, hey, uh, we should teach kids about um, homosexuality at an early age uh, because like me, I had to go to therapy. I don't know. Point. Yeah, is. it uh, really drives home the point that it's some sort of mental illness. Yeah, like, well, <laughs> so, <clears throat> but that's the kind of stuff that they post. You know, this is somebody who's making the case. This is the problem, or not the problem, the, the reason why they hate accounts like libs of TikTok is because not only sharing the initial video, but the reactions from other liberals of them sharing the video and the quote outrage uh, that conservatives have end up making the case for them. Liberals make the case for why people feel this way and why like our position is good um, better than we ever can. Yeah. Now it, it, it goes on. Um, Let's see here. Uh, few few are more repugnant than this is the from the Revolver article. Uh, few people are more repugnant than Taylor Lorenz, who once falsely accused uh, billionaire Mark Ander and Andreessen of uh, saying the word retarded in a clubhouse uh, in a clubhouse room and whose age whose age is humorously difficult to pin down. Mere weeks ago, Lorenz had a meltdown over, quote, online harassment in an interview with MSNBC, then pressured the channel into deleting the interview. Weird. Um, this, this, is, this is actually a clip of Taylor Lorenz's interview. You feel like any little piece of information that gets out on you will be used by the worst people on the Internet to destroy your life. And it's so isolating and terrifying it's horrifying i'm so sorry it's, fine. it's, it's fine. overwhelming it's really hard i'm not saying that she's good at acting i'm just saying <laughs> every little piece of information about you can be used by the worst people she says and then goes and doxes people <laughs> 
Yeah. Anyway. It's egregious. We're, we're almost getting to the fun part here. Sorry. Lorenz may be repulsive, to say the least. She certainly courted assiduously all the ha- hatred coming her way. But there is a bigger story here. This incident is a case study in how the ruling regime uses cutout NGOs or non-government organizations and hackers to target dissidents for annihilation. It wasn't Taylor Lorenz who doxed libs of TikTok. Lorenz is a used, used up cocktail waitress for the regime. She's far too talentless to achieve such a feat. Instead, it was a motley crew of regime actors. The original doxer of the woman behind libs of TikTok was an Antifa Twitter user, uh, which is given in this art. Uh, the name is given in this article who gloated last weekend about using sleuth work to uncover the account's original tweets and name. They post all the screenshots here. Another Twitter user, Travis Brown promoted and confirmed this work then went on to unearth and reveal even more information about the woman behind libs of TikTok. In the Washington Post, Taylor Lorenz credits herself, credits Brown for confirming libs of TikTok's identity. On Saturday, software developer Travis Brown, who is working on a project with the support of uh, with support from Prototype Fund, an organization that backs open source projects, unearthed the account's Twitter history and posted a thread detailing information about its profile changes. Who is Travis Brown? In essence, a man paid by the German government to target, dox, and harass the international left's ideological enemies. Brown is the creator of the so-called hate speech tracker, a program whose explicit purpose is to aid Antifa extremists in tracking and archiving statements by its enemies and find connections between them to aid in doxing. Fantastic. Let me see if we can get to the... um... Okay, let's see. Uh, So Brown also openly admits to using certain tactics on Twitter that probably violate its terms of service. So the long story short is there is the prototype fund, which this guy Brown works for is a project of the open knowledge foundation, Germany, which is funded by the federal ministry of education and research. The German government directly financed the doxing of libs of TikTok and Taylor Lorenz's circulated attempt or calculated attempt on behalf of the Washington Post to destroy your life. Prototype, by the way, doesn't just fund doxing operations. It funds the mass arrival of asylum seekers in Europe. Great. So, yeah, this is a very comprehensive thing. We'd spend all, all show basically going through it. But just understand this. <laughs> Sorry, I just looked up at the comments and it said, Antifa's just an idea. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it does go to show that the entire left is all about subverting and destroying all our countries. Like, it's Antifa, it's pro-immigration people, it's people that are trying to shut down free speech. It's a broad-spectrum attack to destroy our countries via an internal fifth column. Yeah, and the, the very fact that the Washington Post, which is owned by one of the richest men in the world, which is supposed to be, quote, a press outlet, right, is working with a foreign government. I can't stress this enough. 
is working with a foreign government to gather information on a private citizen in the United States and encourage harassment, terrorism, and, you know, threats against a private citizen in the United States because of something that they said on social media. Yeah. This happened. You know, this happened and it was financed by a foreign government. And yeah. you know we're we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get into but this. a foreign government that we're supposedly allied with, right? Now again, the powers that be are allied with the German government, but the American people certainly are not. The American people are the German government in the, right here, and with their support for all these other liberal New World human funded nonsense, the German government should be viewed as a foreign enemy of the American people, just like most of most Western governments. I would say the British government probably is all any government that in Europe pretty much acts as though they are an enemy of the American people and the American constitution and freedom, liberty, our way of life, all of that. They all support the same directives that trickle down into Antifa, mass immigration. All the COVID measures were wildly supported across all of these Western governments. And it is no surprise. If you look at the, at the Western world as a whole, Europe, say Australia, New Zealand, like, North America, all of those governments seem to be colluding together against the will of their own citizens. You saw it with COVID. There were Black Lives Matter. You see it with all the protests. You saw it in Canada with trucking. You see, you're seeing it in Sweden right now. There are a bunch of riots about the mass immigration laws that are destroying Sweden. And the governments are trying to suppress it as quickly as possible. All of these governments are acting against their own citizens Seemingly for no reason. Seemingly, and very hard to pin down why. It, it it's fascinating um, because, like, there's I don't know. It's it, it, so the guys that these governments are using to target private citizens and go after them because of their free speech is. Under the guise of misinformation and disinformation. And, and by the right. way, this didn't – the doxing of libs of TikTok didn't happen in a vacuum. Um, I, I think I think a problem – or not a problem, but I, I think the issue here is like we obviously know that like the left hated that account. We obviously know that they saw it as a threat, especially going into the midterms and all this other stuff. But there's a specific ramp up that occurred. And the reason why is there was a shift. I mean, Libs of TikTok has been popular for a while now. It's been around for about a year or, a year or so. Um, there was a shift to where they needed to be destroyed quickly. And when did that happen? That shift, I think, is honestly completely perceivable when, <laughs> and th- this is going to be fun, right? Because this all feeds into the greater uh, part of what we're talking about in the show. That shift occurred when libs of TikTok shared internal videos and wasn't just them, but they, they were able to get it out uh, to a lot of people was the internal videos of an all hands meeting at Disney. When people started basically making the case of group calling people groomers. Mm-hmm. And it was when that video was shared, 
I think is what the was the big predicate from we have to act now. We have to get rid of them. And like I said, like Project Veritas shared it. There, there were a lot of groups that shared it, but Libs of TikTok put it out there. It was, made, was very popular, went absolutely viral. And we've play, we played the clips on the show of, you know, you had a production person who's saying, I'm absolutely injecting my gay agenda into every aspect of our programming and nobody is stopping me. Since right. that has happened, since those videos were leaked, this is a, uh, this is a tweet from Chris, uh, Chris Rufo, Christopher Rufo, who's been following this. Disney has now lost $41 billion in shareholder value since the release of internal videos exposing the company's plan to inject gender ideology into its children's pro- programming. Great. That is why Libs of TikTok got targeted. That's why she got doxxed. Because she was putting out videos that were showing what was really happening. And it is very interesting that the German government was upset about it. It's very interesting that non-government organizations were interested in getting that out there. It's interesting that Antifa was interested. It's interesting that Jeff Bezos wanted to get rid of her. It's interesting that the Washington Post as a whole, the Democrat Party, wanted to get rid of libs of TikTok suspiciously around the time that they revealed that Disney's basically grooming kids. So why do you think all of these groups are aligning together? Like Like what common cause does Jeff Bezos and the Washington Post have with the German government, with Antifa, with people that want to groom children with Disney with the trans transgender agenda. Is it simply, uh, you know, this looks like the right wing is trying to get a win and the right wing can't get any wins. So we'll all circle the wagons and make sure they can't have any victory. Well, I mean, let's, let's look at a couple of potentials here. You know, if you want, if you want to go to the extreme of it, uh, then everything that like QAnon says is right. That all of the halls of power are made up with a bunch of creepy, like satanic pedophiles. Okay. And they don't like being revealed. So that option one, right? <laughs> like so, it, it sounds far less crazy of a conspiracy than it did a year ago. Doesn't it? It definitely does. Now, option number two, um, Getting to children early and indoctrinating them into into lifestyles that would obviously you, – you said this last week on the program. Indoctrinating yeah. them into lifestyles that would obviously force them into having to be progressives for the rest of their lives. Yep. Much like women with abortion. Yeah. Like it's just – you know, what, what, what was it uh, Lyndon Johnson said? Uh, LBJ came out and said all uh, – I'll have those N words voting Democrat for a generation with the civil rights legislation. Yeah. Uh, So, you know what I mean? It's the the same, the same ideology there. If, if, if we basically, if we use schools to tell kids who they are, then they will always, um, they, they, they will always, uh, require an authority figure to tell them who they are. And if we, can be that authority figure, uh, then we can craft society. You know, if you want to get creepy about it, the Democrat Party wants to craft society in their image. 
Right. And if they can indoctrinate kids into needing, if they can indoctrinate kids into needing a school teacher to tell them who they are, to tell them what their values are, to tell them what they believe, um, that means you don't have to go through that whole pesky thing of convincing families. Yeah. Like, they want a bunch of atomized individuals who require the government to tell them what to do. Right. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to make families meaningless. I mean, I know we call ourselves wrong think radio. So I hate to use 1984 references, but in the book, 1984, there was the entire concept of child spies. You know, the neighbor of, um, the neighbor of the main character ended up in the gulag with him because his daughter heard him talking in his sleep and was, he was possibly saying mean things about big brother and his daughter turned him into the authorities. Right. Like Orwell didn't write that because he just thought it would be neat. Right. Orwell wrote that because he knew from being in a communist regime and having had been a communist himself, that that's exactly the tactic that they use. They want children separate from their parents because the government can't rule all. If there's family, people always put their family before the government. Yeah. I mean, it's the same reason why the left is obsessed with killing God. The stack usually goes God family nation. Well, they want nation at the top and by nation, they mean the government and by the government, they mean the Democrat party. Certainly. So, so that's option number two. I mean, and as you said, option number three could be something as weirdly gross and almost worse than the first two options is, well, the right wing looks like it's going to win and we can't have that. So we'll literally burn the world down. So, the right wing can't have a win. Right. There's, there's also the, uh, I mean, I, I, th- I personally think a lot of it is they, they see, they see having a society full of sad, broken people as easier to rule and gays and transgenders are sad, broken people. And if that can be the majority of society, so much the better. I mean, if if you can have a permanent victim class, regardless of who it is, you know, regardless of it's yeah. transgenders, LGBT, you know, uh, d- different races, if you can have a victim class at all times, um, you convince them that they're too weak and they need you. It's it's dependency. I mean, it, right. the, the basically uh, not to get into pop culture that the media has tried to distract you from all of Biden's failures and every terrible, every great win from the right and terrible loss from the left. But uh, the government's very much Amber Heard and will poop in your bed mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, go after you for those of you right. paying attention to the Amber Heard Johnny Depp nonsense, which I don't care about. And that's the extent I'm going to say about it. <laughs> right. But I think it goes back to I think a lot of this is about can, a lot of. The reason why all of these forces seem to align together is it is about both control is about control, both mm-hmm. destroying the ability to oppose them via things like mass immigration and about putting people on a sort of mental plantation, making them slaves like the transgender movement. And I think that the next are a seemingly 
it seems like in the next front in that conflict is going to be things like, well, clearly economic. They want everybody to be a to be in debt, to be unable to be spent for themselves, and I think that helplessness is how they plan on keeping control. And part of that is going to be things like food production. I I like fertilizer prices are up. Everything seems to be pointing to all of these these groups people. They're making choices that are going to make it very difficult for the world to feed itself. All the sanctions on Russia, all of the, the shutdowns and major shipping and supply chain issues with COVID, all of this we knew was going to very deeply hurt the global economies and global industrial production. And yet they continue to push forward with a lot of this nonsense. For example, the last year and this year, farmers are being coerced by the federal government to burn their crops because the government controls a lot of how food is like that. Mm -hmm. But also we're seeing a bunch of weird stuff with, with U.S. food processing plants suffering fires and attacks and plane crash, planes crashing into them. Again, it's hard to know whether this is all connected, but it seems like someone is trying to engineer a global famine. Well, okay, so so since you since you're bringing up the uh, the, the food production plants, um, instead, like let's 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 turn it to the audience, so nobody can accuse us of trying to push a conspiracy. I just want I'm, I'll I'll read off just for 2022. I will read off. Uh, these things that have happened in food processing and food logistics centers. And you tell me whether these are all coincidental. April 18th, Azure Standard Headquarters, Oregon, fire. April 13th, Taylor Farms, Salinas, California, fire. April 13th, Gem State Processing, Idaho, airplane crash. April 11th, East Conway Beef and Pork, New Hampshire, fire. March 31st, Rio Fresh, Texas, fire. March 28th, Marco Marco B. A Food Pantry, Arizona, fire. March 16th, Walmart Fulfillment Center, Plainfield, Indiana, fire. March 13th, Hot Pockets Plant, Jonesboro, Arkansas, fire. February 28th, Shears Foods, Hermington, Oregon, boiler explosion. February 15th, bon- Bonanza Company, El Paso, Texas, fire. February 3rd, Wisconsin River Meats, uh, Mauston, Wisconsin, fire. February 1st, Harper's Market Poultry Plant, Hamilton Mountain, fire. February 1st, or sorry, uh, January 21st, Potato Plant in Warden, Washington, fire. January 21st, potato, or sorry, January 21st, or January 14th, Cargill Neutrina Food Mill in Louisiana, explosion. January 1st, Van Druen Farms in Illinois, fire. Coincidence? Weird. Every single one of these a coincidence? At I don't the, know, but it's at, really, really weird. At the same time, at the same time that the president of the United States has walked out and said there's absolutely going to be food shortages, 
Because by, by the way, like it, 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 it needs it needs to be pointed out that every single time something very bad happens, first of all, um, when people were warning about inflation, which I need to remind everyone, we talked about it on the show. People were warning about different economists and, and, and pundits and whomever, and including us, were warning about inflation. Uh, the government was saying inflation was not going to happen. It was a conspiracy theory from the right wing. And, and I, I need to note that it was a conspiracy theory. It was misinformation and disinformation from the right wing that inflation was coming. Then we were told it was going to be transitory. Then we were told it was actually a good thing. And then we were told it's your fault for complaining. Then yeah. gas prices started to go up and we were told it was a conspiracy theory from the right wing that gas prices were increasing. Then we were told that gas prices were only going to increase a little bit and it was a good thing. Then we were told that it's okay. Or then we were told it was Putin's fault, even though gas prices had increased 50% before Putin did anything in Ukraine. Then we were told it's actually a good thing because then you'll have to buy, you can buy a, uh, an electric car. Right. So when the same party, the same environmentalist whack job party that wants you to eat bugs, not eat meat, hates the idea of farming. They consider it destruction of the environment. They hate the idea of corporate farming. Um, they've constantly railed against, uh, any, any, you know, corporate farms, small scale farms, they think it's awful. They want you eating meat that's made in a, in a, uh, in a lab and eating right. crickets. Yeah. I'm going to say that. Yeah. The green new deal people who are worried about cow farts, they're probably setting food processing plants on fire to force you to eat bugs. Yeah. Which, well, and it's the same world economic forum people that, all that all these Democrat Party folks are associated with their entire agenda, along with people like Bill Gates, is there's too many people on the planet. We need to reduce the human population by one billion people. We need to control the human animal. Like There is a huge amount of rhetoric on the left about we need to decrease the surplus human population and we need to do it because the planet needs it. We need to do it for all these different reasons that they state. And I I have to look at that and think they might not be lying. That might be absolutely a goal that they are working towards. Bill Gates absolutely is. He's said it on numerous occasions that he that the world needs fewer people. We need to decrease the global population. And it seems re- like there's a certainly a connection there between because it's, it's, it's all of this at once. What is climate the climate change rhetoric about? It is about reduced, it is about increasing the cost of energy, mm-hmm. which everything in the world is based on it. All industrial manufacturing is based on energy. Moving stuff around is based on energy. It all comes down to energy in, energy out. Like everything we do, from mining to all, it's all energy. They want energy to be more expensive. Because then people can't be free to use energy as they see fit. They well, they they think everything you do, you want to go drive, you have to use energy. Energy is more expensive. You are more a slave. Mm-hmm. And then it comes down to food. 
Well, if food's more expensive, you're more dependent. You're less free. If the global economy is doing doing things in such a way that people have less income, people have less ability to get loans, they have less ability to buy things, they have less ability to own property, that all of this combines into there will be an elite group of people that will control the world and a mass underclass that has zero power to change their fate. And that seems to be exactly the goal of all of these these groups in, in the meta sense. And it's the same goal that from the same goal as what the World Economic Forum says, that there has to be elites in control of the world. It's the same as you can, if you want to get conspiratory about it, it's the same as groups like the Illuminati, supposedly. Well, there has to be funding everything. The eye at the top of the pyramid kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. That's real. Real and these people absolutely believe it. They're working towards it. This generational warfare. They are trying to build a world under our noses that people have no choice but to be slaves. Right. Now, and... and, and... If if what Alan says sounds a little crazy in the idea of like depopulation and things like that, just understand in the 1970s, um, there was a book that was put out called The Population Bomb. And in this book, it warned that if the population reached something like 7 billion people, which, by the way, we've reached um, and have have reached for have been there for a while. If the population reached 7 billion people. Um, the world would be unable to sustain it. There would be mass famine and basically the world would come to an end. Right. This was a baseline for the early movement of the, um, you know, big environmentalist push uh, yeah. were books like that. And people like Bill Gates um, and a bunch of environmental activists still believe, even though, by the way, it, it's obviously disproven we hit all of the benchmarks that this book said we're going to bring on the end of the world and here's the world not ended um they still believe in it and to that same point since we're talking about like environmentalism um what's going on at food processing plants for those of you who don't know this isn't actually a completely new thing in the 1990s and you will not hear about it a lot um, because uh, nobody wants to talk about it. But in the 1990s, environmental terrorism was so common that if you this is going to be kind of a hilarious throwback. But if you watch the first season of The X-Files, one of the episodes is, you know, just remember, you know, Dana Scully and Fox Mulder were FBI agents. And these FBI agents had to go out into the woods of Oregon, I believe, because Mm -hmm. there were all of these strange deaths occurring and they were certain that it was ecological terrorism. It was so common that a regular television show used it as a predicate for an episode. Now, obviously, it's because because it was the X-Files. It was some crazy tree monster or something. But the point of it was, is they thought it was another incident of ecological terrorism because you had people that were putting spikes in trees to kill uh, lumberjacks. You had people attacking food processing plants. You had people that were attacking ranches. 
Right. Right. Environmental terrorism was very common. Um, in fact, I, I knew uh, I was friends with a guy who was in the ar- who was in uh, army intelligence back in the 1990s, whose entire job was to hunt down the ecological liber- or environmental liberation front and the animal liberation front because they were terrorists. Yeah. So is it crazy to think, by the way, since a lot of those people that were in charge of those terrorist groups were exon- are not exonerated, but were uh, like a bunch of different people who did political terrorism were uh, pardoned by Bill Clinton. And a lot of these other people were pardoned. They've gotten federal jobs. One of, I can't remember what the position was and I'm sorry, but one of, one of the, one of the people that was put forward for a position uh, in the uh, Biden administration was a woman that was actually involved in that exact kind of uh, economic terrorism or not uh, environmental terrorism was a woman that like helped put spikes in trees. So would it be shocking if these groups were added again? It certainly would not. So did, is the dog bothering you, Alan? <laughs> oh, he might not be able to hear me. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I had to, there's a dog and it needed a thing. I know. I, anyway. I just said like, Hey, was the dog bothering you? <laughs> yes. That's the yes, little lab. Um, real quick though, because I, there, there are other things that I do want to want, want to jump into. Um, We've talked. We've already mentioned a lot: conspiracies, uh, misinformation, disinformation. What's interesting is uh, Barack Obama reared his head again. Uh, is back out, you know, giving speeches, which should be um, interesting to people since he's been relatively silent uh, for honestly years now. Um, mm. He's suddenly back out again, and I'm I'm going to tell you guys why. A lot of people aren't discussing the why is Obama suddenly back. Um, but real quick, here's a, here's part of a speech that Obama gave uh, er, uh, earlier this week. Around one in five Americans is still willing to put themselves at risk and put their families at risk rather than get vaccinated. People are dying because of misinformation. I already mentioned the 2020 presidential election. According to Barack Obama, people are dying because of misinformation. And then Hillary Clinton tweeted out April 21st. Let's see, that that was from April 21st. Also, April 21st, Hillary Clinton. For too long, tech platforms have amplified disinformation and extremism. um, Have amplified, sorry, disinformation and extremism with no accountability. The European Union is poised to do something about it. I urge our transatlantic allies to push the Digital Services Act across the finish line and bolster global democracy before it's too late. Huh. I mean, I'm going to apply to this. My standard, which I just now use every time, is uh, does Hillary does Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama like a thing? All right, then that thing's bad for me and against my interest. <laughs> I mean, well, there's certainly that, but but additionally, I mean, let like let's let's be honest here. Um, why? Somebody, somebody, please explain to me where silencing free speech equals democracy. 
Like, yeah, that's 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 the constant refrain is is any anything that allows progressive victories is part is a loving part of our democracy. Anything that allows the right any kind of pushback is antithetical to our democracy and fascism. That's the only real standard here. And they and they say it as democracy because it's a trick. It's a trick on low IQ people to get them to think that they're supporting things that are good when they're actually supporting things that are not in their interest. Yeah, let's let's see here. Uh, here's part part of uh, part of this same speech. Uh, I'm convinced right now one of the biggest reasons for democracy's weakening is the profound change that's taken place in how we communicate and consume information. Let's be honest. What has changed? Do you, do you know what has actually changed in how we communicate and consume information? What? It's no longer gatekept to the six companies that own all of media. Right. There are six companies that own the entire media spectrum. The, the entire mainstream media spectrum is owned by six companies. 27% of media is owned by Disney alone. That is what has changed. What has changed that these people are complaining about is social media, alternative media platforms. The internet is what has changed. These people are plainly saying that the fact that Americans can talk to each other quickly, the fact that Americans can share their own information, they can share videos, the fact that libs of TikTok can share what liberals are saying, the fact that you and I can sit here right now broadcasting live to other Americans. That is what has changed. And they're saying that that's a threat to democracy. It's weakening democracy. There has never been a statement that has made it more obvious that every time these assholes say the word democracy, they mean their power. It's never been about democracy. You would never, if you truly believed I don't want to harp on this because it sounds dumb, but you all will get it. If you truly believed in democracy, you would ever, ne- you would never ever take the position that we need less people talking. Yeah. We need to ensure certain people can't speak. Right. But the, but people like the Hillary Clinton here, she understands how things actually work. Yeah. Is... If you if you allow people only access to the curated information that you want them to see, they will come to the conclusions of their own volition that you want them to come to, and then they will vote the way you want them to vote. And that is the underlying core issue with democracy: is people choose how to vote, but people's choices are oftentimes not their own. They're the sum total of the information they've received of what they think is acceptable in society, of what they see people they admire doing. And if you can moderate and influence all of those things, then you can affect the outcomes of democracy, regardless of what the realities are, regardless of the arguments, regardless of what's right and wrong. If you can, if you have control of information, you have control of, there is essentially, there is no democracy as long as there is control of information. This is this is what's amazing to me is last week we made that exact case. We 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 made the statement on the show last week that 
they only want their the the left uh the progressives you know the globalists only want you to consume information that will cause you to reach the conclusion they want you to reach uh we made that case last week and then all of a sudden obama and hillary clinton came out and proved everything we were saying yeah like how fantastic is that i mean i'm not trying to pat ourselves on the back for being ahead of the curve here but we we've been seeing it for a while and we've been identifying it and telling and telling everybody out there that look like the the left is getting very terrified over the fact that we're allowed to talk to one another because they're losing the more that americans can speak to each other and the more that americans can make their own decisions because you have to understand that if you want to say what well, and that's the whole thing is we did this misinformation all oh, this this uh, there's conspiracies what is he talking about what what conspiracies what misinformation because everything that the left has called misinformation or is called a conspiracy has turned out to be true because let's right. be honest they're not they're, they're not going to block their own conspiracies they they're not going to block their conspiracy that russia stole the 2016 election they're not going to block their conspiracy um their their conspiracy theory that donald trump had a secret back channel to russia that turned out to have been completely false they're not going they're not going to block the conspiracies uh where i mean the state department just a few weeks ago admitted that it had been lying about Russia and Ukraine and then tried to claim that it was okay because they were just trying to, quote, throw uh, Russia off balance. So, you know, forgive me that uh, when I hear them say that they want to end misinformation and disinformation, that I know for an absolute fact uh, that these people are 100% just trying to block uh information that they don't want people to know for example the hunter biden laptop is a very great example of that they tried to block that across all of social media they tried to make sure that no american was allowed to hear about the shady business dealings and honestly a lot of the other creepy stuff involving hunter biden yeah because then it would have negatively affected the election by their standards yeah. Well, no, 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 no. It would have negatively affected democracy, Alan, because those are the same things. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I'm not I'm not a fan of democracy if that's what it is. If democracy is the globalist empires and giant corporations telling me what I can and can't say and saying that I'm going to lose my job if I don't go along with what the government wants based on absolutely nothing but some know me little bureaucrat in Washington, D.C., I don't support democracy, and neither should you. Yes. <laughs> if that, if, if that, I, I certainly don't support their democracy. Yeah. Yes. Like, if, if that's how it's defined, maybe I've been confused this whole time, but I certainly don't support that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> unfortunately, um, you know, we're, we're heading into the last half hour. And uh, there's still a couple of big stories that we want to get into. And I, I wouldn't be able to forgive myself um, if we didn't take this chance to make fun of Malcolm Nance. Um, so oh. real quick, I'm going to play a video that's uh, that's gone viral. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Malcolm Nance is a uh, is a senior national security correspondent for MSNBC. And there was a big news story that went out and I was an idiot. 
uh, there was a big news story that went out that Malcolm Nance has gone to Ukraine to join their foreign legion or whatever the hell they're calling it. And, you know, at first I was like, look, I hate Malcolm Nance. I think he's garbage. He's a military intelligence guy that makes military intelligence people look stupid. So, you know, I take it personal um, that he's out there on Microsoft NBC. But um, I thought I would extend the olive branch and be like, you know what? I've constantly been there on Twitter telling every single person that's like, well, you should stand with Ukraine. I've been one of the guys that says, you can go ahead and join up. Go fight Russia. Come on, man. You know, come on, Adam Kinzinger. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to talk about being a patriot and being a soldier. Get get your ass out there, buddy. Um, and then I saw Malcolm Nance was doing it. And I was like, you know what? I, I wish him the best of luck. I hope he stays safe. At least he's putting his money where his mouth is. Well, I should have known better. Because it's all bullshit and it's a PR stunt. Um, oh. Malcolm Nance went to Ukraine... And weirdly enough, while supposedly going to Ukraine to battle the Russians, he was able to do a very well-produced interview uh, in the middle of a city. And I'm going to play some of the audio from it. We'll explain what's in the video here. But here's Malcolm Nance in his interview. Ukraine's unique territory. Is that going down? No. <laughs> Where'd you go? Yeah, I heard one boom. Are we in an air raid? Yeah, we are. We had the air raid. There's another coming. Wait, there'll be three. Stand by. If it was fired from a ship, we're getting hit. That's a 500-pound bomb. That's... coming from the east southeast so those are caliber any ship missiles they're striking to the west striking to the west that's two we'll get at plane? least one more that wasn't a plane it was a cruise missile that was a cruise missile yeah wait for one more they're fired in yeah, 30 second intervals they fire them in 30 second intervals smoke stand by three cruise missile caliber stand by five Yeah, there it is. There's the smoke. Stand by. Stand by. Smoke. Caliber. Caliber cruise missiles. They're coming from the southeast. Stand by. Alan, are you standing by? I'm I'm standing by. Stand by. Is this an air raid? Stand by. This is an air raid. Is this this an air raid? (laughs) By the way, so so it's better when you can see the video. Um, But but in, in the video, um, First of all, multiple camera angles, perfect lighting, right? He's wearing like, I don't know, a skier's jacket, like a a nice yellow skier's jacket. They're sitting on this nice lawn and he's sitting there talking and they're able to get multiple like angles of his reaction. And he's, oh, stand by. Those are uh, caliber anti-ship missiles. They they fire him in threes. Wait 30 seconds. Stand by. Stand by. Whoa, smoke. Oh, geez. You know, he's like freaking out and going nuts. If you look in the background, there's people just walking around. Yeah. It's the weirdest. If it's an anti-ship missile, if it's an anti-ship missile, why is it being fired at a land target? Yeah, well, he's like, I can't say, he's like, it's caliber anti-ship missiles. It's a cruise missile. You don't know that. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, also, like, he's freaking out. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, we're in an air raid. And then where they where the camera crew made the mistake is they focused on uh, uh, Malcolm Nance, like, standing there, like, I don't know, like, like he was going to bat a missile out of the sky. And you can see in the background, people are just milling about wandering around going shopping there is the only people that are panicked is the media the people that are on video trying to sell you something yeah it's so dumb The, the guy is a war tourist he's just there he's a war tourist he's there just to gin up conflict and looking for tv and i bet i bet the goal of him being there is he's gonna uncover an investigative reporting uncover russian atrocities and it'll be on primetime tv oh yeah now it it's such absolute bullshit and theater and I, I know we complained about this a couple of weeks ago on the program where I talked about how everybody's wearing t-shirts and just how disgusting it is um, that they're turning this into uh, the new mask, you know, or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, it is, it is absolutely, it is absolutely grotesque. What's amazing is uh, Malcolm Nance, has been uh, tweeting pretty regularly uh, for for a guy who's supposed to be fighting a war. Yeah. Uh, a war he, in which we know the Russians are using the signal intelligence gained from listening in on things like TikTok videos and Instagram accounts to tar- use this targeting information for cruise missile strikes. That's how a bunch of the foreign volunteers died. Is they were all they were all sitting posting their Instagram account like we're here in this barracks in the Ukraine. It's great. We're getting ready to fight the Russians. And then the Russians saw that and went, "Oh, okay. Where's that at? Sweet, fire a cruise missile at that." And then they killed a bunch of foreign fighter foreign fighters. Yeah. Now, um, one one of the tweets that came from Malcolm Nance here is, I'm a contracted member of the Ukrainian Armed Forces. I have a Geneva Convention's ID card. We are not mercenaries because $630 a month is not why we are here. Although I'm busy most of the day, I have moments where I can help people understand what's what. This dude has been on the media a lot. For somebody who's supposed to be out there fighting war. Now... He did get very, very butt blasted um, because he shared a picture of himself um, and people were calling him out because like, well, actually just April 21st. So just a few days ago, he um, <coughs> he was once again sitting there on on camera, you know, when he's supposed to be fighting a goddamn war. Uh, I'm trying to find the uh, the tweet he had here because he shared a video of himself. People took a look at it and they were like, dude, your magazine is not seated properly. Yeah. And he didn't have a bolt in his gun. Yeah. Like he, he had a fake. He was posing with a fake AK-47. Yeah. 
And people were calling it out because, I mean, it's true. You look at it, there's no bolt in the weapon and his magazine isn't seated properly. And so, um, I'm sorry, it's taking me a second to pull it up because Malcolm Nance has been tweeting so much from a war zone. Dude, I, I can't, I, I, I can't stress that enough. This guy is supposedly out there fighting the good fight on the front lines against the Russians. And he's fucking tweeting, which by the way, is a huge operational security violation. You are, if this guy is actually in Ukraine, if this guy is actually anywhere near the war, he is putting so many people at risk. Do you not think that the Russians don't know who the fuck Malcolm Nance is and that they aren't going to be able to hone in on his Twitter account? This is one of the most advanced cyber threat actors in the world, and you are freaking tweeting. You are broadcasting yeah. your position to the Russians. Right. And again, the whole and, and what's disgusting about this is this whole thing is a show being put on by a guy who's basically a, just a journalist at this point. He's, it's putting on a show for American television more than he's doing anything to actually... Yeah, he's most certainly not depicting the actual goings-on on the ground in Ukraine. Oh my god, I cannot believe how much this dude tweets. Yeah, exactly. If you were in combat, you wouldn't have your phone, because your phone would be used as a beacon to target artillery under your face. Yeah. Which, I mean, either means that this dude isn't in Ukraine at all, or he's a complete, absolute idiot. I mean, he's probably sitting around in Western Ukraine, miles from any, miles from the front line, tweeting and probably making ridiculous videos, because that's all this is for. And it's all for an audience that doesn't understand they need to be skeptical of what's going on here. Now, what I was trying to find, and so I'm going to have to paraphrase it. I'm sorry. I'd like to use their own words when I can. But uh, when people were, you know, pointing out that his magazine wasn't seated properly, which wasn't the most major glaring thing. Alan brought up the most major glaring thing of the photo of him yeah. standing there is that his AK doesn't have a bolt. It, yeah. it doesn't. It, could not, have... it, was a, it was a deactivated weapon. Yeah. Like you can't. That's not a thing that you just take out. Like you have to, you have to, well, you, you have an AK style rifle. What's it take to remove the bolt of an AK? Well, you just pop the top cover off and then pull the bolt out and then you don't put it back in when you put the gun back together. Okay. Is there any reason during the clearing procedure of an AK 47 to remove the bolt? Yeah. If you're, well, not in clearing it. Okay. If you're cleaning it, maybe if you wanted to give somebody a gun that you knew couldn't hurt anyone well, right. if you wanted a gun to be used as a prop it would work great right i'm, I'm trying to see if there's any legitimate reason so no there's no, there's no legit the only le- legitimate reason you take the bolt out is if you're cleaning it and maybe you left it out and then it's like hey so i need to take a pic but in the picture that you showed he's wearing his full battle gear and he's ready to go well if you're in if if you're cleaning your weapon to that extent, you're probably not wearing all that nonsense. And if you're going to put all that on for a quick picture, you'd probably be like, hold on, let me just slap the bolt back in my gun. And then it looks real. So it doesn't look ridiculous. 
people pointed out. I that, think mm-hmm. my my theory is that picture was taken in Poland or somewhere that does not have very liberal firearms laws. And someone said, I have a deactivated AK, AK that is essentially just a paperweight, but we can take a bunch of fancy pictures with it without having to go through the hassle of getting you a real looking gun. Yeah. Now, people did point out that the magazine wasn't seated properly, which means that it's not operable. Like you, you have to put it in properly, you know, for the weapon to function and obviously put rounds in the chamber so they can go bang, bang. Yeah. Now he wanted to, um, he, he wanted to slap back at people bringing up the magazine seat. Not the fact that the bolt was missing because those people brought that up too, but he uh, kind of avoided that discussion. Um, and so he said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry my magazine wasn't seated properly. It was, you know, zero two hundred zero degrees Celsius. And I'd just been in an air raid. And, you know, we need I, you know, had to give an interview under hot lights suddenly, you know, and, and I've been, you know, doing, you know, stuff all day. Right. Uh, OK, so uh, I'm going to introduce those of you from the audience that aren't aware um, and, and maybe maybe, you know. Maybe we need to refresh some people's memories. Uh, Alan and I were both non-commissioned officers in the United States Army and deployed to Afghanistan. Um, Alan, is there any soldier that would ever be able to use the excuse of, gosh, uh, Sergeant, I'm tired. Sorry I didn't put my magazine in my weapon correctly. By the, by the way, during combat operations, um, oh, yeah, and we were in the middle of an air raid, which means it's like real, real shit's happening. Well, essentially what the, the allegation was is he's just been walking around with a gun that is what didn't have that the magazine wasn't properly seated in. Mm-hmm. So if you my again, we don't know what the situation was, but essentially that's a terrible response. It should have been, yeah, I noticed that and then I fi- I noticed that and then fixed it or something along those lines. Also, it's an AK-47. It's not that hard to use. They give these to conscripts. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, Alan. If, Alan, if Alan. you don't have the magazine seated properly, it's immediately apparent because it is going to fall out. Um, I was just going to say I, I missed one one crucial fact. That's uh, his claim was I had just cleared my weapon three times, and then had to go do this uh, press interview. So sorry. For, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I forgot. I left that. That's why I wanted to find the tweet. Um, for those who do not understand, when you clear your weapon, when you come into a safe zone, you know, so you're out in combat, you have a round in the chamber ready to shoot, ready to go. You throw it off of safety, you fire. Uh, when you come back into a safe zone, an area where you're all gathered together, that's not considered a direct combat operation, you clear your weapon. What that is, is you drop the magazine out of it. You pull the uh, charging handle back round live round comes out. You, you know, put the live round back in your magazine. You show that your weapon is clear, meaning that it is not capable of firing. Um, you then roll the bolt forward and you put it on safe. That is right. clearing your weapon is to clear it for safety. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't accidentally fire. You don't have a negligent discharge, all of that. That is what clearing a right. weapon is. According to him, he cleared his weapon three times. Normally we would call that like a functions check. I don't, it feels really unnecessary for an AK, but it doesn't matter. Let's not quibble about those things. So he cleared his weapon, uh, but then he improperly seated his magazine. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess you can do, but 
here's the thing. Not it's, not it's, when sorry, not when you're a 27 year experienced uh, naval, you know, chief petty officer yeah. and national security. Like this isn't some guy who just showed up. This is supposedly a member of the United States military, a retired chief petty officer of the United States Navy who said, I'm going to go fight the Russians and you don't know how to put a magazine properly in your weapon. Are you out of your goddamn mind? You were a senior non-commissioned officer in the United States Navy and you don't even know how to properly clear a weapon and put a magazine in it. You need to get the fuck off Twitter, get on a train and stop putting Ukrainian lives at risk because of your idiocy and your hubris. That man is going to get people killed because he's ignorant and this is all an instagram hashtag factory for him exactly it is un- it's, an, it's probably annoying to the ukrainians that they have to feed this guy as opposed to sending food <laughs> to troops that are actually in combat <laughs> I- <laughs> this is a pr stunt this is disgusting and honestly it is shameful for the United States military, the ineptitude national senior national senior national security correspondent for Microsoft NBC MSNBC tweeting with his fucking cell phone in a war zone. Unbelievable. Bizarre. This guy, like if he was just, if he was just some skiff troll, that worked at Intel the whole time. I, 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 I can totally understand. You sat at Fort Meade your entire career. That's why you don't know how to properly handle an AK-47. Got it. I, I can I can understand that. You know, it's like day two in Ukraine and you're still trying to figure out this weird weapon. Because, no offense, the Navy doesn't shoot a lot. You know? Sure. Um. So, okay, I can get that. I can maybe forgive that. What I can't forgive is in that case... You sitting on your phone on fucking Twitter in a war zone against Russia, who you know can hack your phone. Yeah, which which proves that he is, since he's taking almost no precautions, as if he was really in a war zone. It proves that he's in a he's in a safe zone. Yeah, he's in a safe zone in eastern in western Ukraine, and he doesn't like none of these concerns truly matter because this is all a publicity stunt. Oh my God. Yeah. <sighs> Unbelievable. Well, um, I hope he doesn't get anybody killed. I hope not either. Yes. But it is still, I think somewhat egregious that we have to suffer these things. And that the, the news organization that supports him being there shouldn't be engaged in this. They should be, furious at him for making a mockery of journalism yeah this is that this is an instagram war man they called vietnam the uh living room war this is the instagram war yeah that's i like that i think that's clever so uh unfortunately we've only got 10 minutes left in the program there's absolutely something we wanted to hit um you know it's not going to take take up and consume a lot but um so the Florida legislature and Ron DeSantis uh, have decided to remove the um, just to get to the facts here for people who don't understand all 
and this isn't to denigrate, but all that the Florida legislature and Governor DeSantis did was remove the special privileges that were given to the Reedy Creek development area of where Disney is located. Um, They removed the special privileges and special tax status that were given to Disney by the Florida government in 1963 or something. Um, They've removed those special privileges and... Obviously, the left is vomiting blood over it because, you know, you're going after Disney, which is one of their vectors of grooming your children. Um, But similarly, we've seen plenty of people crawl out from uh, the right wing that are upset over this. And um, they're upset over the idea claiming that this is a violation of the First Amendment and we shouldn't get into the same kind of um, dirty tactics of the left of using government power to force our political ideology on our enemies. And they can't support what Ron DeSantis is doing. And so now we're seeing the growth of never DeSantisism. Yeah. I need you guys to understand (laughs) something. There's so many things. I know plenty of people that are true constitutional conservatives that really hate the idea of a government having to involve itself in the activity of a corporation like what we're seeing from Florida when it comes to uh, Disney. This is what confuses me, and I'm going to try to give justice where justice is due on some of these arguments, but conservatives, the same conservatives who say that the government shouldn't pick winners and losers is also shilling that a giant billion-dollar corporation one of the biggest companies in the world should absolutely have a special tax status that isn't afforded to other companies in florida am i getting that correct yeah pretty much now don't get me wrong i'm not against the idea of a government encouraging businesses through tax uh, special tax incentives to come to their area and build the fact of the matter is is Disney decided that they were going to start advocating for basically they were going to start trying to push politics and they decided that they were going to get into the political fray of the will of the Florida people. And the governor said, you know what, if you're going to start doing this stuff, we are not going to give you these special privileges that are given to you that basically make it to where you don't have to pay as much in taxes. You don't have to compete as hard as any other company in Florida. And conservatives are going, well, now, wait a minute, the First Amendment. And I don't buy it. And this is why I don't buy it. If these people cared about the First Amendment, there are plenty of people sitting in the D.C. jail right now who had their First Amendment rights violated. Where the fuck were you? Alex Jones is currently facing a whole bunch of lawsuits and persecution by the Department of Justice. Are you going to defend him? I mean, First Amendment, right? They most certainly will not defend Alex Jones. They'll only defend liberal corporations and liberal causes because it's zero risk. Exactly. It's it's zero risk from the left. That's why all of these conservatives defend liberal things is because there's zero risk of ramifications from the left. They are more afraid of the left than they are of their own voters. And so they'll do whatever they can to make sure they don't suffer any negative ramifications from left-wing activists, regardless of the damage it does. Honestly, at the end of the day, I would say, I would view it as Disney has chosen, it has stated its position that it is my enemy in the war for America. 
great. They should be punished simply for that. And whatever method we can find to do it, whether it's tax status or a boycott or anything, is worth it because anything that <laughs> any enemy in my goal, my fight for America needs to lose and any friend needs to win. And it's, it's no more complicated than that. There's no more bigger principles than that. It doesn't matter. Anyone that says, well, if, if we start, you know, if we cancel Disney, then there the left is going to do something else. If we do it to them, they're going to do it. It's like they're already doing it to us. They're already doing it to us because they are not afraid that we'll do it back. Right. Well, and, and additionally to that point, one of one of the other issues that you'll you'll see is people like David French and and uh, National Review um, and all of these groups are like you know conservatives are all saying that we just keep losing to the left but like master the masterpiece cake shop won and uh, Hobby Lobby won their court cases because these are these are the um, comparisons that they're making. Uh, you know, uh, every conservative supported Hobby Lobby when the government was trying to force them to have to pay for abortions as part of Obamacare. Uh, Masterpiece Cake Shop was the Colorado cake shop that did not want to uh, serve a gay wedding and then was uh, harassed by the Colorado government. So th- these right. are the comparisons that some of these uh, conservatives are making. Um, I want to show people what real life looks like. Yes. I mean, they're true, right? Like we don't celebrate some of those victories as much as maybe we should. Masterpiece Cake Shop absolutely did win. But understand, they won in the Supreme Court. Yeah. These people that are saying. How many millions did that guy have to spend out of his own pocket just to get the win? Because nobody at the major level of politics wanted to take up his cause because all oh, the left might, might say mean things about me. They might yeah. call me a homophobe. if I stand up for my side in the fight for America. How, how many court, how many courts ruled against him? The, the yeah. whole, the whole baseline of this entire argument from these conservatives that are telling us what, like our principles, bark, 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 bark. It's no, that the constitution will always win your example kills that argument you shouldn't have to go all the way to the fucking supreme court if the constitution is as powerful as you claim it to be they literally had to go to their local court and lose then they had to go to an appellate court and lose then they had to go to a federal court and lose then they had to petition the supreme court and hope that they would take their case This took years and thousands of dollars in legal fees. Don't fucking preach to me about the Constitution of the United States. Oh, it's going to protect us all, guys. We need to give it to the liberals because then they might take it from us. They already have. If you have to spend years and thousands of dollars of your own money, the Constitution means nothing. It's already failed everyday Americans. Masterpiece Cake Shop was lucky that people wanted to support him. How many businesses didn't get the donations he did? How many businesses just closed down, took it on the chin, and have been destroyed by the government? Where were you then? It wasn't easy because Masterpiece isn't Disney. Yeah. Because ma- because the company that got shut down wasn't popular, wasn't safe, probably said mean things, and you wouldn't support them. You took the easy road. 
Yes, Masterpiece won because it was easy. Hobby Lobby won because it was easy. You don't ever stand up for this First Amendment idea when it's... You you never stand up for it when it's going to be hard, when you're actually going to be judged for it. And the other part of that, which we're going to go a little bit late in the program, the other point that I want to make is for everyday Americans, life isn't a courtroom. And our First Amendment isn't just affected by the government. You can, That's the whole point here. Regular Americans who are looking at this, this is the argument. They're sitting there acting like they're in a fucking academic environment going, well, constitutionally, the state should not have a say in the government, blah, 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 blah. Okay, awesome. Disney would fire employees if they came out as conservative. The response that we would get from these same conservatives that are shilling for Disney is that's their right as a private business. Yeah. Disney will stifle conservative media channels. Disney will promote and spend a lot of its money to support liberal activist causes and including governor's races. They will spend their money to affect American politics and shift it towards the left. So hurting their ability to do that is is part of is is in the interest of self-preservation. Like they need to these many of these conservatives that think that they're standing on principles need to realize how stuff affects us in our daily lives. You can go ahead and say, well, the this whole thing's bad because the government see the, the First Amendment can only be violated by the government. For people in their everyday lives, What's the difference? What's the difference between the United States government oppressing you or Google? There isn't one. In fact, Google can actually hurt you more. Certainly. But they but that's the problem. All of these shills that want to come out for Disney and be principled conservatives would tell you, "Oh, I'm I'm sorry that Google and I'm sorry that Google and Amazon, Microsoft, Bank of America all colluded together and have made it to where you can't have a bank, uh you lost your job, um and uh you you like got thrown out of your apartment because of your political views. But that's not the government, so the first amendment doesn't apply. Guess you'll have to build your own bank. Bye." Fuck you. Where's the constitution for those people? It's nowhere because their whole statement is going to be, well, no, that's for the government though, guys. It's okay. If Disney decides to have an entire campaign and destroy you, they're a private company. It's fine. If if we're going to say that that that's, if that's the case, if the government, if the constitution only applies to the government, then there needs to be a big, social movement that protects those rights for individuals from corporations from other businesses from the revenge of activists alan we can't we can't interfere with businesses what about profit yeah what about my port my retirement portfolio well the good thing is we might be facing a giant economic crash and then we (laughs) won't have to worry about that problem anymore (laughs) see always looking at the positive (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, that's the problem. The, the The biggest problem here with all this principled conservative nonsense is if it happened to you, if you were being oppressed by a, by a giant megacorp like Disney or Google or Amazon or Microsoft, any of them, 
if you were being oppressed by them, they would tell you tough titty, too bad, private, private company. And then they yeah. go and they'll defend that disgusting private company that hates you and wants you dead because they're basically saying at the end of the day to regular Americans, you, you cannot fight this. Disney has every yeah. right to influence the world around you has every single right to influence the world around you and get special privileges and protections from the government. But you will not get those protections from Disney. If Disney wanted to come for you too bad, there's nothing you can do. Private entity. Yeah. And, and, and even more so, Disney has billions of dollars and they are spending it on twisting the country towards the left. Yep. They should be destroyed simply on that basis. Same yeah, but, with every billionaire, millionaire, or other corporation that is spending millions of dollars to twist this country out of our hands. They should be destroyed simply on that on the principle of self-preservation. The joyous part and, and and the final final real thought for this program is it's hilarious like i said like not all of these people are bad some of them are absolutely controlled opposition of course but not all of these people are bad the problem is is if you're wondering why your arguments are falling short with the majority of americans and you want to talk about how the right wing's so broken you didn't do anything for decades and you didn't use any of these constitutional principles or anything to try to protect us for decades while we literally watched this march towards psychotic progressivism happen. So this is kind of your fault that we're here now. Um, but also, Americans just simply aren't going to buy the, you need to be principled, even though the left doesn't acknowledge the Constitution. The left is never going to care about these principles. The left is never going to care about your constitutional rights. So you're literally telling us that we need to just lay down and take it because at least in the gulag, we can all tell each other how well, how good our principles were and how we never got our hands dirty. Exactly. That's and won't we feel righteous then. Yeah, won't, won't it be great? Won't, won't it be great when you get to tell everybody how nice you were uh, while you were being oppressed? But that's going to have to be it for our show today. Uh, be sure to go over to subscribestar.com forward slash long think radio for $2.99 a month to sponsor this program. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Al from the West Coast. This is Wrong Think Radio. See you all next Sunday. Yeah.